score after one from J. Tom Lawlerink in North Andover is UNH 1, Merrimack 1. This is Mike Macknick alongside John Leahy, second intermission tonight, brought to you as always by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate. That's merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Mike McMahon joins us here from the Eagle Tribune, College Hockey News, the MacReport.com, and also NeutralZone.net. And boy, Mike, I'll tell you, talk about graduate degree in criminology. I think maybe uh, Merrimack freshman goaltender Yuri Hudema deserves a uh, degree in criminology after, after the steals he made in that second period. Some big saves to keep it a 1-1 game. He does, yeah. That, that's going to be good for his confidence, too, for a, a guy that was coming in his, after his first two games and got pulled in his first two college starts. I, I think that could do something to mess with your head a little bit. So to have have the type of games he's having so far, and I'm granted they got to finish it out, but to have the type of game he's having so far, I think it's got to go a long way for the, the, the psyche uh, of a young goaltender. They have five freshman defensemen in the lineup. That's been the way it, it has been a lot of the time. Dominic Dockery, the veteran, as it were, but he, and he, he's only a junior, uh, injured and out to Night. Tyler Heights, the only other non-freshman playing uh, on defense for Merrimack, the sophomore there. But uh, you mentioned Hudema, the way he's playing tonight. I also think that the defensive core as a whole, I, it's only 40 minutes. If this is the best we've seen Hudema play uh, in this young season so far. I think it's also the best that we've seen this young defensive core play. Yeah, I, I think it's especially the best that they've played at the net front. I mean, there's been a couple of chances early in the game uh, where, where the puck was kind of bouncing around in the crease a little bit, and I thought they did a good job of just getting bodies there. You know, even, even if it wasn't a, a, the case of, of getting the puck really out clean out of the crease, they, they were there to disrupt it, and UNH didn't have clean looks on second chances. And that, that's a lot a lot due to the, the defenseman in front, obviously. UNH, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time really remembering any real clean second chance opportunities they've had. So even on the ones that have been let, the rebounds that have been let up in front, uh, the defensemen have done a good job of either just getting bodies here to block them or get the pucks to the outside. Uh, and then uh, as far as transition goes, I mean, we've seen a couple of times, more so earlier in the game, uh, midway through the second period, it looked like UNH was changing up the way it was trying to enter the zone. But earlier in the game, they were trying to chip the puck down the walls, trying to get the pucks behind the D and make the D move. And I thought the Merrimack D did a good job of getting back, retrieving the pucks and breaking out pretty cleanly, which is probably why UNH kind of changed the way that they were trying to zone entry there in the second period, especially the, the second half of the second period. It looked like they were trying to possess the puck more over the blue line. Uh, and, and, by the way, it was working. <laughs> uh, they, they had some good opportunities, including the breakaway there that, that Hudema made the save on. So uh, I, I think the, the fact that the D has played so well kind of forced some changes in the way that UNH is trying to approach at least their zone entries. And, and you know what else what I think we've seen on as, as it's gone on? I think Merrimack's realized that that's happening with on those zone entries. You know, we've seen guys stepping up here, you know, top high in the zone there, you know, to, to put a body on somebody when he's trying to come in like that. Uh, you know, a couple times we have seen this season that somebody's been able to split the defense or what have you, been able to get in behind them and, and get a good scoring chance. Uh, other than the two chances by Sato, and it's kind of ironic that he's had both of them scored on one of them, um, that hasn't happened tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and a, a guy who's really stood out for that, and, and that I think is Zach Ewan. There's been a couple of times where uh, guys have entered the zone, and, and even, I think there was one in the second where it was kind of on a two-on-one, and you kind of expect the D to peel off and play the middle, but I think Ewan's knew that the guy coming down the wall was kind of battling the puck. He didn't have it flat, it was bouncing a little bit, and Ewan just stepped right into him. Uh, and when he did so, he separated him from the puck, and then Ewan's had the puck and transition to back up ice. So uh, they, they've been a good job. They can play more physical, both along the wall and at the net. I think that's one of the keys, right? Is, you know, this team is... 
is uh, so young for Merrimack, and, and really that probably comes into play more in experience, you know, and this is what we'll find out what happens here in the third period. They're in a close game, the first hockey's points on the line this season, but also come into play when you talk about uh, strength and so on. You know, guys are from other programs that have been, uh, you know, been with their programs for two or three years and in their strength and conditioning programs and getting stronger and so on. Merrimack guys are starting to get used to that. The freshmen, you know, they've only had part of one year so far, you know, so that's an area where it seems like maybe they, you know, uh, you know, they're going to come up short against some other teams. But I'll tell you what, from what we've seen tonight, you know, they haven't hesitated to, to use the body, to put a body on a guy, whether it's along the wall, whether it's a guy coming in the zone with the puck, what have you. And those are the things they really need to do to have some success. Yeah, and I think you really see growth. Uh, we've talked about this before, but you really see growth from guys between their freshman and sophomore year because they, they spend the whole summer here and they're lifting all summer and they're in that program. And the freshmen have been here since the early part of the summer this year. Uh, but this is really the first, for a lot of guys, coming out of junior hockey, this is the first year where they've they've had the, the weight, the strength and conditioning program throughout the course of the entire season, not just in the offseason. Uh, and there's also a nutritional component, too, that a lot of guys say, hey, you know, I, I knew to eat right. I knew to stay away from, you know, McDonald's and <laughs> things like that. But uh, Wish I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, this is the first time where they've got, you know, nutritional people working with them. And this is what you this is what you should be eating at, at these times of day to kind of fuel your body and get ready for games. So it's an adjustment for everybody. I think you've seen some of the sophomores really benefit from it. I think Logan Drevich and, and Jordan Seaver both, I mean, look like they've taken their games just to new levels so far early in this year. And I think a lot of it is just due to the fact that they're they're more ingrained in, into that program. Good for Joey Cassetti to get that goal, I think. You know, he's one of the guys, you know, the bigger freshmen out there, bigger bodies, in fact, as a forward. He's got to go to the net, and, and, and if nothing else, you know, disrupt things and, and take away the eyes of the goaltender. He, I think he did that on that play, and that's why he's able to score a goal. I mean, Puck hit him and went in, but still, he was there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we keep saying it. Most of the goals were scored within six feet of the crease. I mean, real, realistically, a lot of them were scored on tips or deflections or second chances, and a lot of them were scored right on top of the net. If you look at, at, at how goals are scored across college hockey, not just Hockey East, that's where most of the goals are scored. The pretty ones are when you're flying down the wall and you can snipe a shot in the top corner, but not many goals are scored that way. A lot of them are scored right at the net front. That was It's good for him to get there, and I think they need to do a better job of, of getting bodies there uh, coming out of the first four or five games. I think they've done a good job of that tonight. There's been multiple times where I think uh, uh, Taylor has kind of had to fight to try to find the puck at the top of his own. All right, quick update here. So, you know, besides the uh, the other injuries that we know are out, guys like Walsh and Welsher and Dockery, who uh, close to game time was ruled out, you know, another guy who wasn't able to play. But, you know, we're talking about three of the best players that, that haven't been in the lineup for at least the last three games now. First of all, Chase Greesock. Um, they had been talking for a while, like he might be able to play this weekend. That's not the case. Uh, what are you hearing? Is it is next weekend a possibility? It sounds like next weekend's a possibility, yeah. Uh, I know originally they were looking for at this weekend for Greesock, but uh, from talking to, to Scott Boric yesterday, it sounded like next weekend was uh, when they probably would see him back. Also sounded like they'd get Liam Walsh back next weekend, too. Back uh, Welsh is the one that's a little more iffy at this point. They're not sure what, where that stands. At least they weren't as of yesterday. Um, but that, that's he, He's been really impressed. Welsher has, especially on the penalty kill. And he's a guy that's done a really good job on the forecheck and, and separating guys from Bucks uh, on the forecheck. So he's a guy that I think they, they were going to miss. Uh, obviously, you're going to miss Greesock the most offensively, but Welsher, uh, I think, quietly would be a guy that they would really miss too. But they've done a pretty good job, I think, on the forecheck tonight and kind of having guys fill what, Wel- what Welsher's been able to do through these first couple of games. Uh, and the other thing we got to remember is they're still without Patrick Holloway and Philip Forsmark, where, you know, Forsmark, I think, from an offensive standpoint, is probably their most impactful pressure. 
freshman, uh, and he's been out in the lineup, and I think Hallway might be their best defenseman as soon as he steps on the ice, at least the most experienced defenseman uh, as soon as he steps on the ice. So that those are two other guys that they've been without so far, too. You know, it's gone so long, and I know we said this earlier in the season that we wouldn't have been surprised if if Hallway didn't become eligible until after Christmas, and it's looking more and more like, like that will be true. I guess the question then for Forsmark is, is he going, do you think he'll be eligible at some point this season, or is it going to be like not until next year? I, I don't know. I, the good news, I mean, it feels weird to see this as good news, but the good news is they haven't hurt him. Uh, I, I think that's that means it's still being examined, it's still being looked at. Um, I think with with Holway, we, we know the outcome. It's either going to be he can play right away, uh, or he can play probably in that Minnesota Duluth series at home. Uh, with, with Forsmark, gets a little more unclear. We saw Cole McBride had it as a whole season a couple of years ago. Uh, we saw Stevan Costa ten years ago. All of a sudden, four games in, he got told he was cleared and he could play. Vermont just this week. I had a, I forget the, the name of the player, but just had a player that was that was uh, cleared this week. Uh, Kevin Stenen posted a video of it. I think of, of the player. They, they're told to practice and, and his teammates mobbed him. So just a matter of one year here from the NCAA and what they decide. UNH has a guy in that boat too. I think right? Is that right? I'm sorry. What was that? I think UNH might have a guy in that in a similar boat too. I, I think they do. Yeah, it's not uncommon. It really isn't, especially with the international players where the, the transcripts academically are a little different and some of the classes and what translate to what class. Because with, with the NCAA, it's not just grades. You know, it's not just, hey, you've been enrolled in school. Uh, there, there are certain requirements for certain types of classes you take and when you've taken them by. Uh, if I remember correctly, talking to Cole McBride a couple of years ago, that was the issue he had. There was a, some math class that he needed to have done by a certain time, and he had taken it over to the summer instead of taking it, instead of completing it by the spring. So technically, he wasn't eligible. A lot of weird rules that I don't think a lot of people know about. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. Folks, check out his work at themacreport.com, also collegehockeynews.com, the Eagle Tribune, and uh, neutralzone.net. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you for having me. All right, Mike McMahon, our guest with the score, UNH1, Merrimack 1. John and I will be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.